right, Jesus is better, amen? Amen. All right, well, my name is Chris, one of the pastors here. Bethany, we welcome you all this morning. Thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited. If you're a guest with us, if this is your first time, thanks uh, for being brave enough to come in here and join us. I got to tell you, you guys are great. I mean, I just, I just want you to know that. You guys are great. I was just sitting here during worship, uh, taking this in, and just understanding that together, collectively, we are lifting our voices to praise the God of the universe, the God that created each one of us, that made us unique, that made us individuals, but then also called us together as a body to worship him. So it's a great experience. Thanks for allowing me to be a part of it. And I pray that God does that, that the the center of attention this morning would not be on me as I speak. Uh, I pray that you did not come here this morning to hear me speak, but that you came to hear the heart of God and that God would speak to you. And so I pray that God would give me the strength to be his mouthpiece this morning. Um, Before we jump into prayer, I want to just let you know of an announcement that came up. So you're all clearly aware, unless you live under a rock somewhere, that that our country, uh, the United States, the world as we know it is at turmoil. Uh, There's not a lot of peace. There's a lot of fighting, especially here in the United States. There seems to have been an upheaval of racial tension, which I haven't seen in my lifetime. Um, but clearly was around in the 50s and 60s. Uh, There's a lot of tension, hatred, anger uh, coming out. And so one of the things that our elders, one of the elders approached me this week and said, hey, I I viewed this video, uh, this video series. I think this would really be helpful for our people uh, to see this. So you know that we've taken a break from our adult education classes, Sunday school, which should usually be happening right now. We've taken a break from that. Well, he asked, hey, can I just do two weeks? Can I have two weeks? The elders agreed, said, yeah, this is a good idea that the, the body should see this if they want to. So uh, what we're going to be doing is July 31st. You can write this down if you want. We didn't have a slide because it came in too late. We'll have it next week for you. It'll be in the bulletin. It's not in there this week. So if you're looking, it's not there. Uh, but July 31st, August 7th, we will have uh, this class right below us. Our elder, Gerald Graham, is going to lead it. Uh, It is on oneness, and it's done by Tony Evans. If you know who Tony Evans is, he's an amazing pastor down in Texas. I viewed the first... Uh, of the sessions just to see what it was like, get a feel for it. It is really great, solid teaching, uh, talking about unity in the body, uh, not just in racial tension. He brings that up, but also unity in the body. So if you're interested in that, uh, I think it would be beneficial for you. Again, it'll be second service, July 31st and August 7th. He also said, I know that the youth at this time, they don't have Sunday school. He said this would be a great series for them to, to be a part of as well. So junior hires, uh, high schoolers, this would be great if you want, uh, as a family, you want to take this in, that would be good. Uh, so let's just jump into prayer here as we, we jump into the message and ask God, invite God to be a part of, of what we're doing here this morning. Father, we come together uh, for the purpose of worshiping you. I thank you that we can, in the United States of America to this day, collectively come together, that we can sing these praise songs, that we can worship your name, that we can pray to your name, that we can read your word, God, without the fear of persecution. Father, I don't know how long we have, how many days we have of that yet, but Lord, I I thank you for the blessing of it. I pray your protection over us, over this nation, over the men and women that wear the uniform that protect this country. Uh, Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you would bless them and keep them and make your face to shine upon them. Father, I pray for uh, our leaders in this country. Uh, Lord, will you bring healing uh, as we hurt? uh, May we look to you. Father, we pray for the nation of France. We pray for those that lost loved ones this past week uh, in a terrible act of terrorism there. Lord, I just pray that you would, uh, again, bring healing and peace in a time of turmoil. And Lord, this morning, as we dig into your word, will you teach us through it? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to start uh, my message this morning by asking you a rhetorical question. So you don't have to, rhetorical, for those of you who don't know, you don't have to respond to this. Um, But how many of you have ever felt tired? That's the exact same response the first service gave. They all laughed, like, well, of course. How many of you in life have ever felt like giving up? You've ever been in something that you were doing, Whether it be a job, whether it be in life itself, you just got... And when I talk about tired, most of us think about sleep. 
All right. And I know that some of you feel tired, like sleepy because I'm only like up here for the last two minutes and I can see some of you already are yawning. You're, you're already getting tired. So I'll try to keep you awake. I'll try. But I'm talking about when I say tired, I'm talking about you just get tired. You're exhausted from the fight. You're exhausted from whatever season of life it is that you're in. You're tired. And so I want to talk about this idea of, of being tired, uh, but more so on the end of uh, the endurance that it takes to get through this life. So two words for you this morning. You can write these down if you like. Uh, the first word is endurance. We're going to talk about endurance and what it means to endure, what, what it looks like. What is endurance? And then the second is encouragement. And I would tell you that the inevitability of the one, the need for endurance, the fact that life is difficult and we need to endure, should lead us to the second one, encouragement. Because all of us understand that life is hard. So because we understand that, it should lead us to encourage one another, similar to the way we encourage our kids. We encourage our kids to walk, to eat, to do different things. As they're experiencing new things, we're encouraging them. Why? Because we understand how difficult it is to do those things. And so we're teaching them, we're training them. And for some reason, when we grow up and we become adults, we're, we're far less patient with one another because we have this expectations that you should know how to do this thing called life. So I was thinking through this this week about endurance and what, what endurance is. Well, endurance, as I looked it up, is the ability to go through something difficult, something that causes pain without giving up. So it's the ability to get through something difficult without giving up. <clears throat> I was thinking of some things that take endurance. So school is one of the things that came to my mind. As your kids go through school, or if you're a young one now and you're in school currently, just to get through one year, it takes some endurance. Especially if you have a teacher you don't like, it takes endurance to get through that year. Uh, but on a broader sense, you think about graduating high school, graduating from college, that took endurance. If any of you have done that, you know that it took endurance to get from the beginning to get to the end and finish well. That's why we celebrate those things, right? That's why we have graduation parties. That's why people come and eat cake at your house and bring you gifts when you graduate because you've endured, you've accomplished something. There are other things in life that take endurance, many things in life. Uh, some, I was just talking to someone last week about band camp. Going through band camp for a week takes endurance. If you are an athlete, sports, the, the season that you're in takes endurance. I was thinking about uh, this past Week Tim Duncan, who, if you don't know him, he, was, he played in the NBA, 19 years, wonderful career, great player. 19 years in the NBA, that took endurance. I'm sure that Tim Duncan has difficulty getting out of bed in the morning because of his 19 seasons in the NBA. I'm sure that his knees hurt. Some of us in this room haven't done that, and we still have difficulty getting out of bed because our knees hurt. So that takes endurance. Raising children. Right? It's not a sprint, it's a marathon when you're raising children. It takes endurance. It takes endurance to go through seasons that they're in. The two-year-old season, the four- or five-year-old season, the junior high season. Right? It takes endurance to get to the end. Work. Some of you have spent 20-plus years in the same occupation, doing the same thing. It takes endurance to get to the end of that race. Anytime you do something that there's an element of difficulty in, right? There's an element of difficulty and there's some pain. It requires endurance or perseverance. There's an old saying that says, if it was easy, everyone would do it. If it were easy, everyone would do it. Um, Aaron and I, just this past week, July 14th was our anniversary, 15 years 15 years. I would say we've endured the last 15 years. Now, you might look at me and say, well, that's a terrible way, Chris, to talk about your marriage, that you've endured, right? Like, that it's terrible. Well, I would say we've endured it with joy, but there has been pain along the way. There's been some difficult times. Any of you that have been married for any length of time, you understand that there's some stretching that goes on. And remember what I said a couple weeks ago, that there's a difference between hurt and pain, right? A lot of, a lot of people get gym memberships, right? They get gym, gym memberships and they go to the gym for a couple weeks and then they stop going. Why do they stop going? Because it's hard. I never knew this. I was talking to somebody who has a, a membership to Planet Fitness and I was like, well, how, how, does, how do they keep a $10? How does it cost $10 to get a, a Planet Fitness gym membership? The reason is 
Because so many of you have them and you don't go. So they're taking $10 a month from people who aren't using their gym. See, it's brilliant. But if you want to get strong, if you would endure through the pain of that, there would be joy on the other side. You would feel healthy. And I would say in marriage, you go through some stretching hard times, but it should lead to joy. I think of the words in a couple of chapters ahead of us here in uh, Hebrews, where it says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He went through something hard so that it could bring about a great reward, perseverance, endurance. So, Following Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, when you signed up and you said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I put my faith in him. I want to follow him. I want to be a Christian. From that moment forward, it's going to take endurance. It's not going to be easy. Jesus didn't say it would be easy, but what he did promise you is that he would go with you through it. So this is kind of our big thought for the morning. The final victory is for the one who endures. You get to the end of our passage, you're going to see this. The final victory is for the one who endures. We need to endure to the end. When you start this, this journey with Jesus, there's no going back. It says that you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. There is no going back. When you start with Jesus, right, you become adopted into his family. There is no going back. You have to endure And the victory, the final victory, is for the one who endures. Now, there are numerous calls for us to endure in the New Testament. So I didn't want to go through all those. I didn't want to bore you. I didn't want to put you to sleep. So I put them in the bulletin there. If you want to look at them this week, if you want to reference all of these calls to endurance, feel free. They're in the bulletin. There's like a tiny box at the bottom of the notes section has a bunch of passages. Take a look at those passages. They are calls for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to endure. Now, If you're in the room with us this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, this might be kind of difficult for you to follow and understand. Well, why is this need for endurance? So I hope that I can invite you in to listen and understand and kind of get a grasp of some of this, of why it's difficult uh, to endure. So let's just open up here. We're going to go into the passage. uh, Hebrews chapter 10 is where we are. uh, Verses 19 through 39 are the the passages that we're going to go through. Uh, And that is on page 1015. If you didn't bring a Bible along, you want to follow along with me. I'm actually going to read all 20 verses, so it might be good for you to grab it. Uh, 1015 on those Bibles in the pews. If you didn't bring a a Bible with you and you don't own a Bible and you want a Bible, please feel free to take one of those. Uh, That's a gift to you. Uh, Don't say that I never gave you anything then. That was a joke. You can laugh. It's all right. All right, here we go. Verse 19 through 39. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living, life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's Jesus. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy as if, we, as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know that we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said the Lord will judge his own people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Think back on those days, those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. 
Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised, for in just a little while the coming one will come and not delay and my righteous ones will live by faith but I will take no pleasure in the in anyone who turns away but we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction we are the faithful one whose souls will be saved so look here we'll go go through this somewhat line by line we have to skip over some of it but you look at verse 19 this reiterates or emphasizes the point that we've been making through this whole book And so this is so important. I don't want to just skip over it, but it is review because in this book, the author in Hebrews has continually writes that it is by the blood of Jesus that you are made right. Look at this. Dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of what? Because of our good works? Because of the things we've done? No. Because of the blood of Jesus. It's because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. So it's because of Jesus. So this is review, but Jesus' death is the sacrifice that makes me right with God. It was the blood that Jesus shed on the cross that makes me right with God. And now because of this blood, because he shed his blood, I can place my faith in him and I can enter in to the most holy place. In verse 21, and since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who rules God's house, let us go right in. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Not fully trusting ourselves, fully trusting him. Verse 22, our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. I would remind you of Hebrews chapter 4. The author makes... Similar point, says it a little different way, same idea. Let us go with complete trust. Not partial trust, not kind of thinking, ah, I think it's okay. Complete trust, full confidence. We enter into the throne room of grace, God's holy place with full confidence. How many of us feel in that spot this morning? Again, rhetorical question, don't have to answer. But that's how you should feel because Jesus has paid the price for you. Even if you're struggling in sin, you know that I have been forgiven through the blood of Christ. And so I come to God, complete trust, because we will receive his loving kindness and have his loving favor to help us whenever we are in need. When we are in need, when we are struggling with sin, that's the time of our greatest need. We can come into the throne room of grace, not because of our own effort, but because of the blood of Jesus. Sorry, I had to reiterate that for those of you who have been here through this whole thing. We just keep pounding on this point because the text does. This is what God keeps telling us. Now, we'll move on. Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted again to keep his promise. It's not us keeping our promise. God can be trusted to keep his promise, to stay the course, hold tightly, don't let go. And why this challenge? If, if being a Christian is easy, if when I signed up for Jesus, all right, I, I'm on team Jesus, Jesus forgives my sins, it's easy, I'm just going to sit back, enjoy the ride. If it were easy, there would be no reason to call for us to hold tightly to our faith. But it's not easy. Life is difficult. Life is hard. And the fact is, and most of us forget this, That we are living in hostile territory. Jesus said this world is not your home. And I think if you step back a second and think about it, you can say, yeah. I know there are times in my life where I will wake up to this fact and I will look, whether it's watching the news or something personal that happens to me, and I'll look out and I'll say, ah, something is not right here. And I feel like this place is not home. I just want to be home. I want that peace. And that's because we're in hostile territory. You've been adopted into God's family. You've been given a purpose. You've been given good works to do, but you're here for this time. And you commit your life to Christ. You decide, here's what happens. When you commit your life to Christ, you decide, I'm going to forgo the things of my own desires, my own fleshly desires. 
The great Billy Graham said it this way, and I'll try to say it the way he does. But he says, it's either the world or it's Christ. Sorry, that's my best Billy Graham imitation. It's the world or it's Christ. But you can't have both. You can either pursue the earthly pleasures of this world. You can pursue your fame, your comfort, or you pursue Christ. But you can't go both directions. Back in June, my wife and I had the opportunity to go down to a wedding uh, on the, the beaches of North Carolina. It was a beautiful place, beautiful wedding. Uh, but we, met, we had a decision to make. When we left in the morning to drive to North Carolina, we had a decision to make. Do you go 95 or do you go 13? 95 or 13? Some of you have done this trip, right? I can see you smiling. You're like, oh, yeah, I get that. I understand, right? I always go 95 just for what it's worth. I went 13 one time. It was like the trip from hell. I'll just put it out there. I do not go 13, okay? But the illustration is this. We couldn't go both directions. We couldn't take both paths. You choose one and you go on that path. Now, the beauty of our life is that if we are on one path, we can make that transition, right? If you're on the the wide path that leads to destruction, there's exit ramps all along the way, all through life. Even when you get to your deathbed, you can say, Jesus, I need you. I'm getting off of this path and I'm going on the other one. I'm going to follow Jesus. But the minute you make that decision to pursue Christ, you're on that path. You're on that path. And so that path is not easy though. That path is not easy. And so there's all these words in here, all these action words that you'll find as you go through this section of scripture, you find this hold tightly, Hold tightly. Encourage is coming soon. Encourage. And then in the end of this passage, endure. These are action words because as followers of Jesus, as I said, we are not in peacetime. If you got that impression, you are wrong. I'm sorry. We are not in peacetime. We are in hostile territory. And I'll lay this out for you because I think it's important that we understand this. Uh, Matt Chandler says it this way, that while you are going through this life, you are being stalked by your enemy while you're being haunted by your flesh. You are being stalked by your enemy while you're being haunted by your flesh. Now, my whole goal of this message was to encourage you and you're feeling encouraged, right? Right. Being stalked by your enemy, haunted by the flesh. All right. Not feeling real encouraged here. We'll get there. But can I just tell you that Satan wants to destroy you? Now, as I say this, some people run to this place where If they sin at all, it's like, oh, the devil made me do it. It's all the devil's fault. It's all demons and his his minions. I said that to my kids this week. I was like, the the devil and his minions. And they're like, one of my kids said, you mean the devil has like little yellow guys (laughs) running running around? (laughs) No, not those minions. uh, Different ones. But anyway... The enemy is pursuing us. We need to be aware of this, all right? I want to show you a couple passages that will give you uh, just an understanding. Now, there's three different terms for Satan here, but they're all, they're all about him, all right? So Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the robber who is Satan, what's his purpose? He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Those are active words. It doesn't say that he came to steal, and kill, and destroy as if it was past tense, but it's actually current, present tense. He's doing these things. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. I came so, but Jesus came so that we might have life, a great and full life. So Satan is active in this pursuit. First Peter 5 probably gives us the most clear understanding of this. First Peter 5 says, keep awake, watch at all Times, not just part time, not once in a while. Keep awake and stay alert at all times. The devil is working against you. He is walking around like a hungry lion with his mouth wide open. He is looking for someone to eat. So I brought this lion with me this morning to illustrate this point. Now, I recognize that this lion is not very uh, intense, is he? He's He's not something you would be scared of. I kind of would be like being pursued by this lion because I think it would be fun to be, play with a, a lion cub. But this is, for those of you who don't know, this, this lion I got uh, several years back. Our son Josiah had uh, a, a long stint, well, a week stint in the hospital up at Hershey Medical Center. And so I bought this lion to remind me of that, uh, that time. But it also reminds me, when I see it in my office, that I need to be alert because the devil is not a lion like this cute, cuddly guy who doesn't have a mane, somebody pointed that out, but he's like that one on the, on the screen there. 
And he desires my destruction. Because it's the only thing that he can do, the enemy can do, to hurt God at all is to take and draw God's children, the ones that God created, away from himself. That's the enemy's plan. I'll give you one more passage. Revelation chapter 12. This whole passage is about Satan waging war against God's children. Another term for him, the dragon, was very angry with the woman and he went off to fight with the rest of her children. They are the ones who obey the laws of God and are faithful to the teachings of Jesus. The dragon, Satan, the devil, has waged war against the body of Christ. Waged war. So, if that weren't bad enough, your own flesh and desires within, those desires that are stirring within, that you know these desires, where do they come from? But the lust, greed, pride, whatever it is that you struggle with, anger, hatred, they start to well up inside of you. And this is what it's like to be haunted by our flesh, right? You don't want these desires, you fight back against them, but they keep welling up. This is our situation. This is what's happening. I'll lay it out this way. We are running a race. The race of life, we are running with a limp while we're being stalked by our enemy. Again, not very encouraging, is it? We're running with a limp while we're being stalked with our enemy. But take heart. And that's what all this passage is about. To to hold fast. Keep going because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. We know the end result. We know that Jesus comes back and he destroys the dragon and he sets us free and that he gives us a home in the kingdom of heaven. We know the story. We know the end. So hold fast. Things will be difficult here on earth. Things are going to be hard. Relationships are going to be broken. Stuff is going to break. Things are not going to go the way you think they should all the time. But hold fast to your faith. Keep going. Don't stop. Keep chasing Jesus. Because it takes endurance. Come into verse 24 with me. Let us think of ways that we should motivate or can motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds. And why did I lay all that out about the, the enemy and our flesh and all of that? It's because each and every one of you in this room know to some extent what it is to live life. You know how hard it is. And because of that fact, the author here knows that as well. Look, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds. We can't throw stones at each other. We can't hurt each other. In another place, Paul says, stop biting one another or you're going to devour each other. Life is difficult for every single one of us. And because we understand that, we should be encouraging one another because we need to endure to the end. We need to make it to the end. So we've got to encourage one another. And I love what the author says here. Think of new ways. Think of new ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds. This, for the creative mind, this should be exciting. I want to make an invitation here to those of you who have the gift of encouragement. If you have been given the gift of encouragement and you see ways that the leadership of this church can be encouraging the body, please come and talk to us and say, hey, have you, ever got, have you guys ever thought of this? Have you ever considered this? This would be a way to encourage people along the journey. This would be a way that would encourage us because motivation, we should be thinking of ways that we can motivate. I, I rarely think of encouraging, let alone thinking of new ways to do it. But this is what the call is. This is a rallying call for the church. Pick one another up. Think new ways to do it. Don't allow each other to just fall off by the wayside. Now some of you are thinking, all right, but life is, life is hard. Life's been hard for me, Chris. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. Granted, I don't. Some of you don't know my past and what I've been through. And we can't look at each other and say, Well, you haven't had it as hard as I have. One of the things that I think happens and has been happening is, well, some people have this this idea that life has been easy for some and harder for others. Well, that's probably true. And and you might even be sitting there thinking, well, what about those who have been given a a silver spoon? I mean, I, I just spent some time in Romania. I was in these homes where these kids had just deplorable living conditions. So to say that I've had it easier than them, is, is that would be a valid statement. It would be true. 
But one of the things we can't fall into this trap of just comparing ourselves to each other. Because to look at those who have been given much, all I can tell you is that Jesus says this, to whom much is given, much is required. There's a lot resting on the shoulders of those who have been blessed, those who have been given a lot. A lot is required. So we can't fall into a trap of trying to compare each other, compare to each other, because that's a never-ending cycle. Who says one person's life has been harder than another? But the call here is no matter where you are in life, no matter where you are in the journey, you know that it's hard. And as Christ followers, we should never, it should never please us to see somebody stumble, to see somebody fall. That should never be our end game. That should never be something we look forward to. Whether somebody's a Christian and they're struggling with a sin, it's not a chance to step on them and move forward in our own journey. It's a chance for us to come alongside them and pick them up as we continue together. And if they're not a Christian, then our desire should be for them to come to know Christ. That they would start the journey with us. Journey's hard. So if you see someone suffering, if you see someone hurting, Remember that they are being stalked by their enemy while they're being haunted by their flesh. And they've come from a background you might not understand. So if you see them, come alongside them. Encourage them. Pray with them. Invite them in. Invite them to be part of something. I thought of a couple ways, and I'm not real great at this, but cards, notes, gifts, words of encouragement, invitations. These are all ways that we can speak into people's lives. Just a little hint of encouragement. I know as a pastor, I get cards from some of you from time to time. It is a great encouragement to read a card that says, Hey, I'm praying for you. I know what you're doing is hard. I'm praying for you. Just to be acknowledged even in that. It's an encouragement. A couple of... Share a story with you. A couple of years ago, when I was in uh, youth ministry, we did a hiking trip. We used to do a hiking trip to the White Mountains in New Hampshire. And uh, we went on this one particular... If you've never been to New Hampshire, if you've never been to the White Mountains, you should go. I would give it a big thumbs up. It's an amazing trip. If you like hiking, the White Mountains of New Hampshire are a beautiful place to hike. Well, we took a group of students, uh, about 25 students with us to this trip. And we were hiking on a a summit or a place that leads up to Mount Washington. Now, Mount Mount Washington is a really high elevation. It's kind of dangerous up there. Certain times of the year, you can't get up there. So we didn't go that high. We only went a couple miles. I think it was about three and a half mile hike. And we had kids with us, students that were amazingly, they were athletic. They were, they could run this thing so much quicker than I could. They were, they were just in shape and ready to go. And then we had kids with us who had knee injuries. We had kids that had asthma and they just, it took a long time for them to make this journey. And one of the points that the leaders tried to make was, listen, we're going to make this journey together. So what we're going to do is, if you've ever been part of this, uh, part of a hike like this or a team like this where you're going in a direction, these kids wanted to, the kids that were athletic, they wanted to bust out and get up to the top of the mountain as quick as they could. And the, the other ones who were far behind knew that they had no chance to keep up. But what we did was we had some of the kids that were more athletic actually stay back and encourage those to come along. One of the things I found on that trip was that you get to a rest spot, like we, we would make them stop like every quarter mile or so just so that we could all catch up and be a team. You get to a rest spot, the team, the, the guys that are there first, the guys or the gals that are there first, they've been waiting for like five to ten minutes until the, the group from behind gets there. And the second that that group gets there, they're like, all right, let's go, ready to go. And the, the people who needed the most rest, the people who need the rest the most, they're like, I, I just got here. Like, I'm not ready to go. I need to sit down for a second. Just hold on. So it was all we could do to just keep some of those kids reined in. But I thought about this in our journey in life. What happens when one of us stumbles into sin? What happens when one of us falls into a bad habit that leads to sin? We get into a bad relationship. We struggle with something. I'm afraid our tendency as the body of Christ at times can be to create distance. They're doing something that I don't like, and so I'm going to separate myself from them. I'm going to create distance from them. And I would say, if you're in a relationship that is, 
is a long-term relationship and this person's been hurtful for you. I just want to give, give this freedom to you. There may come a time where you need to create distance for health reasons, all right? For your own emotional, physical health. There may be a time that you need to create distance. But for the most part, our response should not be to run, but actually to move towards that person and help them along. Right? That's what the scripture calls us to, not to run from them, but to actually help them along. Galatians chapter 6, I would offer to you, Christian brothers, sisters, if a person is found doing some sin, you who are stronger Christians should lead that one back into the right way. So it doesn't say run away from them. It says lead them back. Do not be proud as you do it, though. Watch yourselves because you may also be tempted. And in Galatians 6, 2, it actually says that we should do it gently and humbly. So we should understand that what they're going through and gently and humbly try to lead them back. I'll share a story with you. Uh, I'll brag on my wife for a second. Um, many years ago, when, when we were in high school, uh, my wife had a friend, a very close friend. I was friends with her as well. Uh, she was actually in our wedding when we got married. And outstanding young lady. She knew the Lord. Now, she came from a difficult background, and this background would play into her story. And she never was able, I don't think she would have been able to put voice to this uh, back in that day, but it came uh, to play out in her life. So her father left their family uh, when she was fairly young, and it caused a lot of of hurt and scars, as you can imagine. If you've gone through that, if you've had a parent that's walked out on you, you would understand this far better than I do. But through high school, she was always a solid girl, church every Sunday, hanging out with the youth group, a main part of that. And uh, she got into college, and college started, and she started to make some poor decisions, specifically in relationships. And some of these things that she was feeling that she didn't even, I don't know that she could have even put voice to, but started to lead her down this path. And I watched my wife through this time as a friend. I watched my wife cry for her. I watched her pray for her. And I watched her continually invite her into our lives. I remember at one point it was really, it had gotten really bad. She was in a relationship with a guy that was much older than her. It was a really bad situation. And she had invited us over to their house. And we went over there, and I will tell you, it was probably the worst two hours of my life. Maybe not, that, that's probably an exaggeration, because I've, I've had some pretty bad physical experiences. But emotionally anyway, I mean, I, I can't overstate the fact that I just wanted to leave this place, because I did not like this guy, I did not like the situation, and I did not get along with him at all. So we leave this place, and I'm thinking, I don't ever want to do that again. That was terrible. I don't get along with this guy, this is not going to work. And I saw... My wife said, we just need to continue to encourage her. We need to continue to pray for her. We need to continue to invite her into our lives. So granted, I don't think we went back uh, there, but we continued to invite her in, and there was a change in her life. It came years later. This wasn't weeks, months. I'm talking years later. She started to change. This friendship, her friendship has remained close to Aaron through this whole time. But she walked with her through that, through a very difficult experience. And now she's married, has kids, she's doing great. She's returned to the faith. I mean, it's it's an amazing story. But I watched and learned firsthand how you gently, humbly walk with somebody through an experience rather than walking away from them. And I say this because life is hard. Life is difficult. We, as a body of Christ, should be doing what this passage tells us to do. Encourage one another. As long as it's called today, we should be encouraging one another. One of the things I thought about as I was getting this ready was uh, there's, there's a troubling uh, pattern that I see happen within the church. And maybe you can relate to this. But there are times where I've been in prayer meetings or meetings where people ask for prayer requests. And one of the things that I experience, and I've done this myself, I'll be honest with you, I'm not, don't hear me removing myself from this, okay, because I would be a part of this. But there are times when we do prayer requests, and I always hear people pray for physical ailments, physical stuff. You know, if, if something hurts, you're concerned about something medically, you pray about it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. Then we pray for our families. We're concerned about our families, those around us. We pray for those things. But how often is it that when we're in a prayer meeting that we'll actually open up and share the deep, dark things of our heart, the the emotional struggles that we might be having, the stuff that's really 
core in there that we know that our, maybe our spouse knows or maybe our best friend knows, but we're not willing to share it. And I think we as a church need to step back a second and say, well, why is that? All right. We kind of understand that there's this kind of this understanding, but why is it that that happens? Well, my fear is because we as the church are not doing a good job of handling that information. Too many people have been hurt by that information. They've shared something emotional, something deep, and they've gotten hurt. And so that I'm not doing it again. I'm not going there. And so we were in this uh, staff meeting just a couple weeks ago, and Adam says, we're going to do something different. We're going to change this up, and we're just going to share prayer requests around the, the table. Luckily, I was at the end, so I had time to think about this. You ever, have you ever been there? You're like, man, I'm just glad I'm the last person. Um, and so the, the prayer requests are going around. I wasn't doing a great job of listening to their prayer requests because I was too busy thinking through my own head. What do I want to share? What do I want to say? And there were things that I could talk about, but the Lord just kept pressing in my heart, just share where you're at. And I had been going through a kind of a darker season in my life. When I say dark season, I, I, I hesitate to say depressed because I've walked with people who suffer from depression, and that's really dark. If that's you, if you're in that place of you've experienced depression, uh, my heart goes out to you because I've seen that, but I haven't experienced it myself. But I was just in a season where I felt blue. I didn't, I didn't feel confident in who I was. I didn't feel confident in what I was called to do. I was just questioning myself. And, and so it got to me, and I just felt this, all right, I need to share that. So I shared it, and I expressed it. And the staff didn't look at me weird. They didn't... They, they didn't uh, start calling the elders to say, you know, we really need to reconsider Chris's job because he's not really in a good place right now. You know, they, they didn't do that. They actually came along and they, they handled it well. They, they prayed for me. And one person in the staff actually came to me later and said, hey, I just want you to know I appreciate that you shared that. Thanks for doing that because it says that you're, you're being real about where you're at. You're not trying to play a game or trying to hide. But I trusted the staff with that and they handled it well. So my encouragement to us is as we get around brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to handle those things well so that it invites people to share it. Because here's the honest truth, church. Here's the honest truth. As you go through life, you are going to hit seasons in your journey where you are sick physically, where you're depressed or down. You don't feel confident in who you are. You're going to hit seasons where life is upside down or you've overextended yourself. You've taken on too much. You're stressed out. You're going to hit those seasons. And we love to give ourselves a lot of grace in those seasons, but we hesitate to give the same grace to others who are in those seasons themselves. So we need to be encouraging one another because life is full of ebbs and flows, right? Life is full of those valleys and the mountaintops and all points in between. <clears throat> so some of you are wondering why I have these shoes behind me. And the reason I brought these shoes is because I just bought these at Adidas and I wanted to show them off to you. So I wanted to just see them. No, that's not really the reason I brought them. <laughs> that would be pretty messed up. Um, so someone was kind enough uh, to help Aaron and I out. They wanted uh, to, to give us a gift, and they're, they're actually uh, sending us in September. We're going to Israel, and we are going to be uh, touring Israel. But not when I say touring Israel, we're not touring in a bus, all right? We are touring with our feet. Uh, this trip that we're going on is 14, 15 days. It'll probably be 12 to 13 days of hiking. And the conditions over there are less than favorable where we're going to hike. And we'll probably hike 6 to 12 miles a day is what we've been told. So we need to prepare ourselves. They also told us to go out and buy like really good hiking shoes and to break them in ahead of time because tennis shoes and flip-flops won't work. I thought Jesus wore sandals when he was there. Worked for him. Why can't I wear sandals? But they said no. And so I was telling the first service, I don't do, I don't do hiking boots, all right? So if you're into hiking boots, this is not a knock against you. We just have a difference of preference, okay? So don't take this the wrong way. I'm just not really into, I don't wear high tops except to play basketball. It's the only time I wear high tops. So I found the, the best pair of uh, low top hiking shoes that I could. And I don't really like brown, so Adidas happened to make these. But So I went out and I, I got these and I'm hoping that these hold up for this trip. Uh, but as I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how could I help you and illustrate this point of endurance for you. And I thought about these shoes because every 
day, just about, I think every day, you put shoes on. Now, over the summer, if you're a sandal person, it's probably not going to work for you. But every day I put these shoes on, I want to remember that I am on a journey. I'm on a hike, not necessarily a physical hike, but I am on a journey and that I need endurance. I need endurance. I, I can't just start well, but I need to finish well. And these shoes, I'm praying, are going to be the ones that carry me through these 12-mile hikes in really hot conditions. I guess Israel's hot. They tell me that it's going to be like 100 degrees. So I'm hoping that these shoes hold up. But every day you put your shoes on, I hope that you would remember that you need endurance. And your neighbor needs endurance. And your kids need endurance. And your spouse needs endurance. So every time you put those shoes on and you lace them up, just remember that you are in a journey called life. And if I can encourage you in one thing this morning, I hope that we as a church would see ourselves as cheerleaders. Now, if you're a guy, that's kind of weird, right? What cheerleaders? Uh, We would see ourselves as cheerleaders for one another. For each other. We should be thinking of ways that we can encourage each other on this journey. Because I don't want to get to this journey, the end of this journey by myself. I want us all to go there together. I want us all to finish well. And I just want to make a comment here on the broader church. The broader church as a whole. And I I need to speed this up a little bit. But the broader church. um, Just a couple of weeks ago, we had the opportunity to go up to Pine Grove. My wife and I, our family, we were invited up for our friend. He was being ordained, so we got an invitation to come, and it was great. I just want to let you know, we were so blessed by Pastor Jonathan, Susan, the whole team up there. We were blessed to be with them. One of the greatest sins in America of the church is that somehow we've become competitive. If you are preaching the gospel, if you are talking about Jesus, then keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. We should be for one another. And I would tell you, this passage tells us here, look at verse 25. Now let us not neglect our meeting together. There's a lot I could say there. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The hour is too late for us, church, to be throwing stones at one another. It's too late. We don't have time for this. Jesus said, right, he said there will be wars and rumors of wars and all of these things that are happening. You just look, turn on the news any given day, you're going to see all these things that Jesus was talking about. I'm not telling you Jesus is coming back tomorrow or today or next week. I don't know. And I'm not a pastor that's going to stand up here and try to elaborate on it and tell you. That's not the point of this message. But the point of the message is that the hour is late and that we need to be encouraging one another, both communally or corporately as a church, but then also individually. Because the time is drawing near. We don't have time for this. And we can't neglect gathering together because when we gather together, we're reminded corporately that we are part of something that is bigger than ourselves. When I see all of you here this morning, you're all lifting up the name of Jesus. You're all praising Jesus. Corporately, this is bigger than me. God's kingdom is bigger than any one of us. We get to worship together. That's what joining together, when we neglect coming together, when we neglect worshiping together, we are forgetting that this is a corporate journey, that we do this together and we weren't called to do it by ourselves. And so often we think that it's just about us. Now let me finish up here. I want to jump into the the second half of this passage. Some of you want me to, I'm sure, comment on verses 26 and get into some of that. And I don't have time. Uh, But I would just say this. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to be continually chasing after him. Ask yourself the question, am I pursuing him or am I pursuing something else? There's a famous quote by John Owen. He was a Puritan. He says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Think about that for a second. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. If you are sinning, if there's sin in your life and it's Not bringing conviction, you need to ask yourself the question, why is it not bringing conviction? So I don't want to go into all of this passage, but I do want to mention that that we need to, when we are actively pursuing Jesus, we're not actively pursuing sin. Sin may creep into our lives, but we need to keep focused and actively be pursuing it. This passage here, I don't believe, is telling us that you can lose your salvation, uh, but we do need to be warned against sin. But let's jump into verse 32. This is where we'll finish up. So think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. 
Look at what the church is going to go through here. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. All right, so they're experiencing public ridicule. Imagine if tomorrow the, the federal government of the United States uh, declares, all right, it's no longer legal to be a Christian. It's, you can't be a Christ follower. You can't talk about it anymore. All right, if you come out and you proclaim the name of Christ, you're going to be ridiculed. That even happens today, right? People are being ridiculed for being a follower of Jesus Christ. You go on, they were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. Just picture that for a second. You, all you own. So tomorrow it becomes illegal to be a Christ follower. And I say, I love you, Jesus. I'm following you. And the government comes and confiscates everything I have. Your car, your house... Your golf clubs, your TV, everything. It's gone. And what did they do? They accepted it with joy. How many of us, if the government comes tomorrow and takes your stuff and you're thrown in jail, you're going to be like, all right, I'm excited about that. I'm doing that with joy. But yet that's what these believers did. And why? How is it possible? Why could not one of us wants their stuff taken? I'm sure they didn't either. But why were they joyful about it? Because they knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Jesus said, don't build your kingdom here or build your treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy. But in heaven, right? Where it will last forever. It will last forever. And then you get into verse 35 there, 36. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. And then you will receive all that he has promised. All that he has promised. The final victory is for the one who endures. Endurance is what we need. We need to continue to be patient with one another to continue to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to continue to look forward and not back. Endurance is what we need. Jump down to verse 39. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Church, I just want to encourage you. Keep going. Keep fighting. Keep enduring for the sake of the gospel because it is worth it. The kingdom of God and life spent with him is worth it. Let's pray. Father, I give you great thanks for your grace, your mercy, your love, your kindness. Father, I pray that you would help us to be cheerleaders for one another, that you would help us to encourage one another, that we would realize that we don't don't run this race alone, but we run it together. Father, will you give us the endurance that is needed to finish well? Lord, I pray that you would go with every person from this place. And Lord, that they would sense your presence, that they would feel your calling, that we would experience your forgiveness, and that they would run the race well. I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.